Welcome to Cottage Hill. Yeah, give it up. Yeah. Welcome to Cottage Hill College. How are you guys doing? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Really? Already? Oh, come on. Oh, man, there's one excited person. Hey, uh, we want to welcome you tonight. Uh, obviously, if you have uh, been around our ministry for the past couple weeks, you know it's been a very uh, busy couple weeks. And so we start out with worship night. Anybody here for worship night in, in the room? Yeah, that was good. Uh, then we went to Encounter. That was, that was really good. And now we're landing finally at our series for the semester. It seems so late already, but uh, we're, we're glad to have you guys. So, uh, man, just like, like Brendan was talking about, we're starting this series, if you haven't heard yet, called Yesterday, Today, and Forever. Uh, Hebrews 13.8, we got hoodies made for it. You know if you make hoodies because of it, then it's a big deal. So that's where we are tonight. So we're going to spend this whole semester going through how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and so I know a few of you have heard uh, us explain it before, but what we're going to do is go through the Old Testament. Old Testament stories that we have heard about, maybe growing up, maybe you've grown up in church and you've heard these stories, Daniel in the lion's den, Noah's, you know, Noah in the ark, and uh, the walls of Jericho, all these stories. There's 11 stories that we're going to go through uh, and focus on how in the world is he the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that look like practically in my life? Because if we're to be honest, it's one thing to talk about it in Sunday school, right? But it's a whole other thing to grow up and, you know, you're in college now, you, you got a job now, you're in a relationship now, you're facing temptations now, and you're like, man, I remember these stories about how in the world... How in the world do they relate to me? Like, Lord, I need help. I've called on you. What does this look like in my life? So that's what we're going to do tonight, starting with Noah's Ark. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn it with me. Genesis chapter 7, first book of the Bible, obviously. And all these will be in order as we go through them this semester. Genesis chapter 7. As you're turning there, uh, I just want to give you kind of a little bit of context of what is going on. Uh, if you will, like, flip in your Bible, you will see Genesis chapter 6, uh, well, really Genesis 5, Genesis 6, talking about the wickedness of the world, Genesis 7, where we're going to be at, Genesis 8 and 9. All this, these whole few chapters are talking about the flood, right? It's talking about what is to happen. It's talking about the wickedness of the world. It's talking about uh, why in the world that we need a Savior in our lives, right? It's talking about why there was rain in the first place when there had never been rain before, but we're going to specifically focus on verses 1 through 12 tonight. And so I would encourage you, maybe, uh, maybe tonight uh, when, you're, when you're settling in or whatever, or maybe in your groups if you guys talk about it, I would encourage you to sometime go through these chapters and read the context around chapter 7 and see really what is happening, what is going on here. There's this pitch that we're talking about, like Brendan talked about. We're going to talk about that too, but there's so many interesting things when it comes to this. But we don't, we don't have a ton of time, so I, I'm going to get a diving into the scripture. But what's going to happen is uh, all throughout this scripture, it's, it's exciting, y'all. I don't know if you can tell, but it's exciting. So as we go through the scripture, there are a few key things that we're going to talk about, right? And so a few key things that you guys need to take note of. Uh, so maybe you have a phone with you you can take notes on. They're going to be on the screen as well. Take pictures. Maybe you can write down, cheat off a neighbor, whatever you need to do. Uh, but read with me first. Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. It says, The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. 
and I will wipe away, I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. And rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So again, we're going we're gonna to camp out in those 12 verses, okay? There's way more in the story than that, but just those 12 verses. A few things that you guys need to take note of when it comes to not only us, how to apply to us, but also who God is. Number one, point number one, God is gracious, but he also calls us to be righteous. And, and I feel like this is a, a big point for tonight because so many times, I, I don't know about in your life, or I don't know what you have experienced or seen, but for me, I can say the people I deal with, the people I work with, even in my own life, I, I, I tend sometimes to constantly go to the gracious part of who God is instead of the righteous part of who I need to be. In, in other words, I'll say, well, man, this is who I've been, and I, I, I know God is gracious. I know God will forgive me, so therefore it is okay to continue to do it over and over and over again. Right? We, we all the time focus on God's grace, and we never really focus on the righteousness that we are called to be inside of our life, right? Verse 1, as we walk through it, the Lord then said to Noah. So this is a conversation that's happening. So the Lord is talking to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you what? Righteous in this generation, right? And so here's what's happening here is that we know that God is gracious. Why? Because there's a conversation. We, we know God is gracious because God said to Noah something, because Scripture says, hey, the Lord said to Noah, that is God being gracious. God didn't have to say anything to Noah, right? And so we know that this whole idea that God is gracious, God will forgive, God loves, God is all of those things. But, but let's, let's be careful to not drown out the graciousness of God with the sinfulness inside of our lives, right? Like, yes, God is gracious, 100%. God died for you. He loves you. All these things about God, 100%. But don't miss, you are called to live a righteous life. This is what verse 1, the, the stage that it is setting for us. It says, your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. God could have used any word in this moment. But God comes along and he says, Noah, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you what's happening. I'm going to show you grace. But I'm doing this because you have been righteous inside of your life. So just as God has committed to not forsaking his character, if you think back in Scripture with me, you, you'll remember that. We are also called to being committed to living a holy life, right? So yes, God is gracious. There's grace in who God is. Yes, God, God, will, God has said, I will never forsake my character. I will never break character because of your bad character, right? That's basically what God's saying. God is saying, I will never not be who I am because of who you've chosen to be, right? So God is gracious. God is good. God is all these things. But at the same time, he is committed to doing that. He is committed to never forsaking his character. We also have a spot to play in this, right? We're also called to being committed to living a holy 
life. And, and this, this is the area that we don't want to focus on a lot of times. Because what does it take to live a holy life? It takes sacrifice. It takes dedication. It takes commitment. I mean, you, the list goes on and on. I mean, just ask your friends. Like, why, why don't you live a life that glorifies God? Well, I, why would I do that? Why would I leave this behind, right? This world is constantly screaming at us, why in the world would you live a life that pleases God? But just think about these scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He keeps going, for he cannot deny who he is, right? So we know this is God's character. He cannot deny who he is, which can we get a praise God for that, right? He's not going to deny who he is because of who we choose to be. So we see from 2 Timothy 2.13 that even if we're faithless, even if we let him down, even if we fail, like Brendan was talking about, time and time and time again. You know what? Just like we sang tonight, we have a God who will never break his character. He loves and he continues to pursue. But at the same time, we see this. We see God's grace in one hand, but also so in the other, we see 1 Peter 1, verse 16. It is written, be holy because I am holy, right? So we see these two sides of the story going on in, in this story of Noah and the ark, right? In Genesis 7, this is, and this is only verse 1. We see all this happening, and so we see that, number one, God is gracious. He will never forsake, never deny himself because of who you are. And number two, we are called to be holy. Why? Because he is holy, right? And so there's this combination going on that God is saying, yes, I will not forsake my character, but I'm also calling you to step up and be different from this world. This is, what, this is what Noah is experiencing with this conversation with God. He's like, God, thank you for being gracious. God, thank you for having a conversation with me right now. God, I know I don't even deserve that. God, thank you for having this conversation. But also, God, thank you for allowing me to see what you require of my life. You, you require me to live a holy life. You don't require me to go out and live however I want and then say, oh, I still love Jesus, right? No, no. God is saying, you have a part to play in his mission. I love how Charles Spurgeon summed this up. He said, notice that the Lord did not say to Noah, and this is going to vary, you know, your translation. So some translations say other things. But when you dig down deep, this is what the originals say. Notice that the Lord did not say to Noah, go into the ark. But he said to come in the original text, plainly implying that God himself was in the ark, waiting to receive Noah and his family into the big ship that was to be their place of refuge while all the while, all the other people on the face of the earth were drowned, right? Hey, have you ever understood how personable God is in Noah, Noah and the ark? Have you ever understood that when you dig down deep into the personable God that you serve, and whenever he is telling Noah what to do, telling him how to do it, in the original text he is saying, come into the ark, right? Don't, don't go, don't go, you're not going away from my presence, you're coming into my presence. Like this is your safety net, this is where you need to be in order to escape all the unrighteous people on the planet, right? And so while all the other people on the earth were drowned, he said, come into the ark. Why? Because I have found you righteous. I have found you living a life that glorifies me. And so it naturally leads us to a very simple question tonight. Does God find you righteous in this generation? Very simple. Like it doesn't, Hebrew, Greek, no. Very simple. Does God find you righteous in this generation? This is what we need to get personable and ask ourselves. Like, if, if this were me in this situation, what would God say to me? Like, there, there's not much that is different. Even in verse 1, I found you righteous in this, in this crooked generation, in this generation that is unrighteous. Can anybody relate to an unrighteous generation, right? Can anybody relate to this generation who is like, man, they don't want to live for God. Why, why in the world would they live for God? 
We are in this same boat, not in a literal sense, but like, you know what I'm saying, right? We, we are all in this, and, and so we see, as we see what Noah is going through, it's not just this crooked generation. We also live in a crooked generation. So ask yourself, does God find me righteous in this current crooked generation? The only thing about the different generations is that there's different generations that are crooked, right? Every, everybody is always going their own way. But does God find you righteous? What does God see when he looks at you? How are you walking with him? And I'm not saying to compare your life based off of how much you go to church, how much you come on a Wednesday night. I'm not asking you to base your life on a small group time. I'm asking you day to day, what does your relationship look like? Is there a relationship even there? Because this is what Noah is being faced with right now. This is why this whole story even exists. It's because he was walking faithfully with God. If I could draw a line for you and describe to you grace and righteousness, same thing we're talking about, the graciousness of God and the righteousness of who we're called to be. Grace is a free gift because of the cross, but righteousness comes at a high cost because of this generation, right? So many people are like, oh, I'll I'll take the free grace of God. I'll take the free gift of salvation, absolutely 100%. But do you understand righteousness? It comes. If you want to be righteous, if you want to live a holy life, just like Scripture is calling us to do, 1 Peter 1.16, be holy because I am holy. If we want to fit into that category, it is going to cost you a lot. In order to say, all right, I'm I'm going to accept this grace of Jesus that he has freely given me 100%. As I accept that, what does he require of me? He requires me to live this righteous life, but it comes with a cost. It's not easy to live a life that honors Jesus and glorifies Jesus when you're, when you're around people who, who could care less about doing that, right? No, inside of your life, if you were around people who, who don't even remotely identify with following Jesus, what in the world does your life look like, right? What, what, what are you contributing to that? How in the world would God find you righteous in this generation? So grace, absolutely, it's a free gift, but righteousness, it comes at a high cost, Here's what verse 1 says, I've seen that you are righteous, right? This is literally what God was looking for. If you're like, man, I I don't know what God is looking for in my life, here it is right here. He is still looking for people that say, I'm going to be righteous no matter what it costs me. I'm going to be holy no matter what it costs me. I'm going to stand up for what is right no matter what it costs me. I'm going to say no to that sin, that temptation, no matter what it costs me. You see where we're going here? God is saying, I want you to be righteous. I want you to live a life that glorifies who I am. Verse 1, I have seen that you are righteous. Think about how this one study Bible put it. Noah spent the years before the flood in active obedience. He not only believed God would send the flood, He obeyed what God told him to do in preparation for it, right? So no one knows what's happening here. No one knows what is at stake. He spent years before the flood in active obedience. Have you ever thought about this? Years before the flood, Noah's spending in active obedience. Noah's being righteous. Noah's turning away all these things, right? He's not perfect, but he's being righteous. There's a fine line between the two. He's being like Jesus. He is pursuing Jesus with everything that he has. No matter what his past looks like, he is saying, I'm going to go after Jesus. I'm spending all these years in active obedience. He not only believed God would do it, but, man, he lived in preparation for it. And this is where I feel like we lack a lot of obedience is because a lot of us would say, yeah, we, we believe in God, right? We believe that he's coming back again. 
We 100% believe in what he has done for us. We believe in the cross. We believe in the empty tomb. Man, we just sing about it. It's easy to do that. We believe all that. But can I tell you, only believing in him and not preparing for him is not salvation. What it means to have salvation, this whole theme of God is salvation through the story of Noah, what it means to have salvation is preparing for the moment that you're going to live with Jesus for forever, right? And it starts right now. It, it doesn't start in eternity. It starts right now. And so how are we preparing for it? And this is one of those questions you can only ask yourself. How am I preparing for it, for Jesus? How am I preparing for an eternity with him? I'm not just going to believe in who he is. I know Satan does that. I'm not just going to believe in what he has done. I know the demons do that. I know the pits of hell do that. I'm going to go above and beyond, and I'm going to say, I'm going to prepare for what God has called me to do. That is whenever you start getting God's attention. It's whenever you're saying, all right, I'm going to get off the same playing field as, as, as Satan, hell, all those things. I'm going to go to this other playing field that I'm going to start preparing for Jesus. I'm going to start telling people about Jesus. I'm going to start living for Jesus, not just my actions, but I'm going to, I'm going to use words. I'm going to invite people, right? I'm going to show that I love Jesus. Leads us to point number two. Sometimes it is necessary for God to destroy things in your life for you to understand that he is worth living for. Let this sink in for a moment. Yes, this gracious God, this God that loves you, sometimes it's necessary for that same God to destroy things in your life for you to understand, man, he, he's what it's, that's what it's all about. Right? This God is who it's all about. Verses 2 through 5, as this conversation is happening, God kind of has a floor in this moment. In verse 2, he says, Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for the 40 days and 40 nights. And I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Some of you may need to underline that verse 5 right there. Maybe print it out and put it in your car. Maybe have it a lock screen on your phone. Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Sometimes God, God has to destroy things in your life that you even love for you to see him in clear perspective. This is what it means to walk in salvation with God. To say, God, I know this is not glorifying you, so God, please destroy it and do away with it. I love it. I enjoy it. I enjoy what it gives me, God, but I don't need it in my life. So notice, notice that God told Noah specifically what to focus on in order for Noah to live an abundant life for God. He, he goes through verses 2 through 5. 2 through 4 specifically. He goes through specifically how to please him, right? He goes through specifically, I mean, the numbers, a pair, like, like specifically, Noah, this is what I want you to do. Verses 2 through 4 kind of outline that for us. And then he goes to say, seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth. So he's giving Noah the whole plan. He, he's, he's telling him, this is, what, this is what it takes to please me. This is what I want you to do, Noah. I'm going to tell you exactly what I want you to do. Here's the thing about it for our lives. The, the Christian life in general is about putting more effort into pursuing Jesus rather than worrying about your sin. This is what we see in this moment. 
is that it is about putting more effort into pursuing Jesus. Yes, you acknowledge your sin. Yes, God, I am a sinner. I own up to that. God, I am not you. I am not holy. God, I am not perfect. But God, I know you have died for me. And so this is what we see from this passage is that if you want to take part in Christianity, you put more focus into, more effort into focusing on, man, where am I going with Jesus as opposed to where have I been without Jesus, right? Where, where is it, where is he leading me to? Where will this life take me with Jesus? How am I putting effort into that, even though it's tough and it's difficult in a culture that we live in, instead of, man, this is what I was without Jesus, and I'm going to let that hold me back the entire time. Noah was saying, look forward to what's ahead. Look forward to what God has done for you, right? Don't waste the cross in your life. Don't, don't waste what Jesus has done. Like, there's grace, but you've got to pursue Jesus more than anything else in your life, even, even in your own sin. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14 say it like this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward for what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't you love this? Philippians 3 takes you through, I mean, a a personal struggle that's going on here. Like, I, I don't consider myself haven't gotten there yet. All of us, we haven't considered ourselves gotten there yet. We're not with Jesus yet. We're not perfect yet. Like, we're not in glorification yet. Heaven forever. But one thing I do, he says, I forget what is behind, and that's what I'm going to, I'm going to forget what is behind. You name it, and I'm going to forget it. I'm going to strain forward to what is ahead. And you're like, man, what is ahead? I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. So in other words, heavenward in Christ Jesus, that is what is ahead. How is my life focused on heavenward in Christ Jesus? Not focused on what I've done, what I've not done, not focused on actions or words, whatever. How is my life focused on where I'm going? According to Philippians, that's what we need to be doing. How do I put what is behind me behind me and focus on the heavenward that is in, that is in Christ Jesus? Because here's the deal. The, the whole point of this is to, to join God in the mission of being holy, right? It, it, it is not you being holy by yourself and saying, God, good Please wish me good luck. I, I want to I wanna really make the most of this opportunity. No, we're joining God in saying, hey, God, I want to be holy with you. So it is healthy, get this, even necessary to examine your life, your personal life, and choose to agree with God that certain things need to be destroyed. And then go in even further. Then actually do it for his glory. Right? This is what the Christian life is about. It is healthy and necessary to look at your life. When is the last time that you went to war with yourself, right? When's the last time you disagreed with your flesh? At at what point have you said, man, I've gotten to this point on my phone and I know I don't need to be here, and so I'm I'm not gonna do it, right? At what point do do we see that, that living the Christian life is saying, God, man, what you say is wrong, I'm gonna say is wrong. God, what you tell me to do, I'm gonna do it. Will you be perfect? Absolutely not. But most of us aren't even trying. There's a lot of us in the room, and we're like, man, I just I stumbled across it, and so therefore it, it just kind of went from there. We, we just, I was, I was at his apartment, at her apartment, and it just kind of went from there. No, like, like, when's the last time you went to war with yourself and said, listen, just because I feel some way don't mean that God agrees with it. Just because my, my pleasures are incredible doesn't mean that God is telling me to do it. No, 
It's necessary to examine your life and agree with God. Agree with God, 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 this don't need to be in my life. God, me and you both know this don't need to be in my life. And so God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the steps to pursue you, and God, I know it's gonna be drowned out because I am pursuing you from there. Verse five says it like this, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. After all of these things, just notice, notice in verse five, there's never Noah questioning God. Noah never says, God, are you sure you want this? Noah never says, God, but really, this life is just really great for me. No, there's, he's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey you, God. It's just that simple, right? And so Noah comes along. He did all that the Lord commanded him. And it reminds us of, of our last point we're going to kind of end out on tonight. The pitch that, that Brendan was talking about, it reminds us that God's grace is much bigger than our sin. Yes, grace, righteousness, this, this pitch that they add. Now, this isn't recorded much in your scripture, but it was a big deal inside of this story. Obviously, without it, it would not have floated. Obviously, without it, they would not have survived. So God used this as a symbol to say, I'm going to show you how this boat is going to survive in these floodwaters, but I'm also going to show you what my son is going to do whenever he comes to this planet, lives 33 years, and he dies on that cross, and he's going to carry all of humanity on his back into eternity, right? This is what God is showing us, verses 6 through 12, as we kind of end out. Noah was 600, by the way, that's, a, that's old, 600 years old. When, does anybody else think that? I'm like, wow, man, got a lot of time on his hands. When the floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood, pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark, as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. So this is whenever it all just kind of, kind of happens. In the 600th year of Noah's life, so had 100, 100 more years of life, on the seventh day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth. Just imagine this in your head. And the floodgates of heaven were opened. And rain fell on the earth 40 days and for 40 nights. Like, it rains a lot here in Mobile, but it don't rain this much. Like, this is, this is a lot. So just put yourself in this situation. You're like, God, I, I really, really trust you, and I really hope this pitch works, because if it does not, we've never seen this liquid before. We, we trust you, Lord, right? And so Noah, 100, you know, 600 years old, there's another 100 years, 700. I'm like, Lord, how many hundreds of years are you going to live? Like, it's a lot. So Noah is experiencing all these things, but what we see of this is that it reminds us that straining forward is how you get the most out of your life as opposed to looking back to what has happened or what has, has not happened. Because here's what we need to understand. This, this rain that we talk about, this is what Noah's Ark is all about, right? The rain, the flood water's coming out, the heavens were open. I mean, just uses these terms that just like water was just like everywhere. This, this rain, is, it's not a bad thing if you're walking with Jesus. It, can you just think with me just for a second? Instead of being destroyed, you're being strengthened through the rain. And this is a big deal for, for every single one of us. Because for every single one of us, there are going to come a lot of times inside of your life because we live in a broken Genesis 3 world that we don't know what to do. God, why in the world would you take this family member God, why in the world would I experience this? God, why in the world would there be so much suffering? 
God, why in the world am I walking in this phase of life? God, why in the world am I experiencing this? There are so, there are so many things inside of life that we're like, God, why in the world did you send the rain to me? God, why, why in the world, right? Why, I know it's not a physical rain, but God, I feel as if I'm being drowned in this moment. And I know many of you, you're going through that. I was talking to a couple of you today about these things. So many of you are going through these situations. And if it's not that, then it's personal. Like, man, I'm struggling with this, and I don't know how to get out of this addiction. I don't know how to get out of this mess that I'm in. And I created it for myself. That's, that's the crazy part about it all. That's what you tell me. I created this, and now I don't know how to get out of it. But just be encouraged. When you're walking with Jesus and you're pursuing him, that sin has no hold on your life. If you're walking with Jesus, this rain cannot destroy you. So think about it this way. Instead of a boat to temporarily get us through, we have Jesus to trust in for our safety. And this is not some cliche one-liner Sunday school answer. This is legit for our lives today, right? We, we see this whole idea that, man, that would have been cool to be Noah, right? I mean, live 700 years and, and go through this flood and not die. You'd be the only, only family alive. Like, that would be cool. Like, whatever, you know, cool story, bro, right? And it's like there's a lot going on here, but do you see what it's pointing you to? That this boat, it was just temporary for Noah and his family to get out of it and for us to look back and say, man, that's who God was then? Like, like it goes further than a Sunday school lesson? But what, what is happening is as I read this story, I know what's happening with Noah, but at the same time, I can relate to me and say, man, this points to Jesus. Because not only are we temporarily getting out of a situation, we are forever in eternity with Jesus, right? So this points us to a greater version of Jesus, which by the way, every story we're going to dive into this semester is always going to point you to a bigger picture, which is, which is Jesus. Think about verse 10, and after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. Now, this is, this is a big deal because think about what is happening here. Think about the context. This one study Bible summed it up best. It says, Noah, the animals, and his family had to wait in the ark, think about this, seven days for the rain to come. So just, huh, playing phase 10, uno, I mean, you know, just scrolling TikTok, I don't know, whatever they're doing. So they're, they're, in, they're in the boat. I mean, what do you do for seven days in a boat? I don't know. I guess they're petting animals for the rain to come. They had never seen rain up to this time. This was a real test of faith, to wait a week after more than 100 years of preparation. Have you ever thought about this before? So just get this. God is saying, all right, I'm going to need you to wait. I'm going to need you to prepare, Noah, 100 years. It's easy, easy enough. Noah, I believe you can do it. I believe in you. You're righteous. Go ahead, Noah, build this big boat, 100 years. So, oh, great, great, God. Gets to this point, then they're in the boat. Now they're, they're playing their card games, and they're just petting their animals, and they're like, all right, you know, when is this going to happen? What's, what's going to happen here? Could you imagine after 100 years, God saying, I need you to wait one more week? God, quit playing games, right? Stop, stop playing games. Stop, stop doing that, Lord. It's been 100 years. Why are you going to wait me? <laughs> no, no. But, Lord, whatever you say, I'm going to do it, right? I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it, Lord. So this is what's happening now. A hundred years of preparation. Can you imagine the real test of faith that Noah's going through, right? Can you imagine what he's experiencing in this moment? This, this faith that after a hundred years he's been preparing and getting ready and living in faith and righteousness. This just, it reminds me, something that, they had to wait so long for, a hundred years and, and a week. 
is now available for you instantly. God's salvation. Have, have you ever noticed that? And we laugh, and we could talk about what they were doing in the boat. We can laugh about how it's taken 100 years. We can laugh about all that. But have you ever thought of the reality of this? They have waited so long and had to wait even longer, a week longer. And I promise you, I, I can't imagine, but I would assume a week would be a long time when you waited 100 years. You're like, no, it wouldn't. I'm like, yeah, well, you waited 100 years. You want to get it done, you know? And so they're to this point. They had to wait so long. They've had to go through all these things. And we look at this story, and you know what we see? We see instant salvation for those who run to Jesus. God is no longer asking us, hey, Josh, I need you to wait 100 years for salvation. I need you to wait until you get your life cleaned up for salvation. If, if only you were this good, you could have salvation. No, God is saying, because of who Jesus is, it's yours. This grace that we talk about, it is yours. Like, th th this, this cross that we talk about, it is yours. It, there is no waiting, that there is no, like, that is on you. There is no cleaning your life up, that is on you. God is saying, come to me now. If you choose to wait, you're crazy. If you, if you choose to wait because of what this world offers you, you are insane for wasting your life. This is what Noah is pointing at. Noah is saying, look to what God has done for you and how it is instant. Don't take it for granted, the grace of God. Don't take it for granted, the fact that they had to wait so long and we don't have to wait at all, right? And so here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to close your Bible, close your, your, your notebooks, all, all your things, and I want you to just close your, your eyes and just please just bow your heads with me just for a moment. As we kind of end this out tonight, as Scripture has, has put it plainly for us tonight, how much God loves you, how much grace is there for you, God has put it plain for you tonight what he has done for you. And I would be crazy in a room this size to say that every single one of you have believed in this God for salvation. And I would be crazy too if I said, listen, every single one of you that have a relationship, yeah, you're smooth sailing. That's just not reality. So here, here's what the story of Noah points us to tonight. It says, if you, if you run to this God, if, if, you, if you go to him and, and you, you ask him instantly, it says, you will be forgiven. That's what the scripture says. Instantly, you will have your sins wiped away, right? And so here's what we're going to do. It says to talk to him. If you're in, if you're in this position and you're like, man, I look at my life and, and I don't see righteousness. I don't see a right standing with God. I don't see holiness. God says to ask him for it and he will give it to you. It says do this. Pray this. God, forgive me of my sins. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I have failed you. Just talk to him. I believe in who you are. I believe you came to this world and died for my sins. And just keep talking and say, God, I need you to forgive me right now. Forgive me and make me a new creation. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye still closed, here's what I want you to do. It's like Pastor Allen says, man, if you, if you pray it, then you're going to make it known. And so there, there's going to be a, a, a word on the screen for you that you, can, that you can text in. The word found, like we use on Sunday mornings. If you prayed that either tonight or even at Encounter 
last Tuesday, there were several hands raised at Encounter. If you, if you pray, if you just want to trust in Jesus, here's what we need you to do. We need you to let us know. That's all we ask of you. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because following salvation, there's baptism. Scripture says, you, that's your first act of obedience is baptism. And then there's discipleship. There's people walking with you. So it, salvation is not a silent issue. Salvation is, I'm going to let you know what I've done. And so right now, there, this word is on your screen. Get out your phone, whoever you are. All I want you to do is text this word found to this number on the screen. And I want you to let us know who you are. And what we're going to do, we're going to get up with you. We're going to let you know your next steps. We're going to let you know how we can put you in community. We're going to let you know when we can baptize you, what that story looks like. But let me also encourage you, after this team leads us in this response song, there's going to be some D-group leaders, and we're going to break off. I encourage you, open up to these leaders. I encourage you, stay an extra few minutes. Just put things on hold for a minute. It's only been an hour. Get involved in groups. Get involved in community. Come talk to us. Let us know. Man, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what's going on. So as I pray, with that in mind, this band's going to lead us. You guys respond. Use this altar. Come before God and thank him for who he is. And after that, we're going to be dismissed into groups. So Jesus, we thank you for your salvation. God, we thank you that we can look at Noah, that we can see that he was a righteous man. He loved you. God, and that we are called to do the same exact thing in a crooked generation. We are called to do the same exact thing in a, in a world that doesn't care about you. So God, I pray over every single one of these students, God, as we know that you require righteousness to walk with you. You require us to look different from this world. I pray for boldness. God, I pray for people to come to the end of themselves and just understand that it's not gonna be easy to live for you in this world. So God, give them everything they need. God, give them community. Give them brothers and sisters that can walk by them and call them out when they're not living right. God, give them, give them a desire to agree with you in what you have said about them. To agree with you in saying, God, this don't belong in my life. God, give them, give them boldness to live it out and to move on from it. God, use this response time this team is about to lead us in. God, to bring glory to yourself to bring people to reality with who you are and how you love them, but God, also what you've called them to do. So God, may, as we walk out of this place, may we be a group and individuals that say, we want to be righteous. We want to live holy lives for the glory of God. Lord, I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys stand up with us.